Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Follow Me, we will be looking at what it means to be a disciple. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon. I just love to discover good places to eat, especially hole-in-the-wall places that you never would find. It's not obvious, but you discover them and they serve the best food. So about two weeks ago, I was in Colorado, and I'm, I think I've told you this before. I'm part of a group. We call it the Covenant Group. Four other ministry-type guys and our mentor, we meet twice a year in person. We meet once a month over the phone, and it's just a good thing for us ministry-type guys to just share life together. We hold each other close, and we're more interested in heart care and friendship developing, believe it or not. Uh, ministers in, spend their life in relationship work, and sometimes we're don't have close friends ourselves. So this is a good thing for me, and it's just really uh, uh, filling for my soul, and I'm very grateful to our elders who have allowed me this opportunity to be part of this. So I was in Colorado in a little town called Frisco. We were looking for dinner. Our intent was to eat at this Italian place that was highly recommended. We got there, and we discovered that the restaurant was closed. In fact, most of the town was closed for something called mudding season. Ever heard of that? Mudding season? Apparently, they close these little towns because no one goes there because everyone's in the mountains mudding, running up in the mud, driving in the mud, cycling in the mud. I don't know what they're doing in the mud. Colorado people are crazy. Anyway, so they're mudding, and I'm like, what? So we're standing there, and we're thinking about food, and, uh, you know, there's five of us. We're guys, and we're getting to the point of murderously hungry. Ever been that, like you're like going to murder somebody if you don't get food? Angry. angry, yes. Angry eaters. So we're looking for a place to eat and we can't see anything. And I noticed there's this little place and it's called Prosit. And I noticed on the sign, German beer and sausages. Now I didn't fo- focus on the German beer part. I focused it on the sausage part. And I'm like, I would kill for a German sausage right now. And so it was right there, it was a little door, it was a little hole in the wall, it was a little small little place, and we're like, this is the only place that's open. We looked up online because, you know, we have to justify our decision, didn't get any bad reviews, so we went straight in there. And boy, was it good. I ordered a boar and apricot sausage with uh, hot sauerkraut on ciabatta bread and potato, German potato salad. They spell salad S A L. A-T, unbelievable. It was incredible. The other guys ordered different things. Uh, one of them had a, a salad. It was like some kind of cucumber, fermented cucumber salad. And my wife was like, uh, well, someone told me, well, that's, those are pickles, aren't they? I'm like, no, it's a cucumber salad. So, and that was delicious. He let me taste that. This guy loved the food so much, he ordered another whole order of food, and I was able to pick off that. It was fantastic. I love, 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 love discovering great places to eat. It was a thrill of my week. I mean, we just had some spiritually high stuff together, and they're like, what was the best thing of you? The German sausage place. And all the guys are like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're guys, right? So I want to share with you a discovery I made this week uh, related to Scripture. It came out of my study, and it, it's directly connected to the life of Peter. And I, I want you to bear with me because uh, I'm going to spend some time building up to this. 
But there is an observation that I came across, some beautiful things that I came across in the life of Peter. Now, I don't know if you've picked this up. Peter has been quite significant in our conversation, in our study through Follow Me. We've looked at the life of Peter a lot. And Peter has served, I know for me, as an inspiration, as a model for what it means to follow Jesus in this life. Remember, Peter was the one that actually right in the beginning of our series, Peter's the one that received from the call from Jesus. You know what, he, what, did he say to, what did he say to Peter? Follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Well, why would he say that? Well, Peter was a fisherman. He was a commercial fisherman. He was in business with his brother Andrew and two other guys, James and John, sons of Zebedee. Their base of operations was the Sea of Galilee. They gave themselves to fishing. They were fishermen. But they were also sincere Jews. They were also Jews that had a heart for God, and they were seeking the coming of the Messiah, and they had given themselves to the ministry of John the Baptist, maybe thinking that he could be the Messiah. But John the Baptist said to them, no, I'm not the Messiah. I'm the one who's preparing the way for the Messiah. The Messiah is this guy, Jesus. Jesus. And so Peter, Andrew, James, and John began to give their attention to the ministry of Jesus. And we're told one day, Jesus came to them. They had just come in from a hard night's fishing, had caught nothing. They were in that point of repairing the nets. He said, hey, guys, can I borrow your boat? Can I borrow your boat? Can you help me out here? Move me out on the shore because there's a ton of people coming to hear me. And if I'm off the shore a little bit, I can have this natural amphitheater situation and I can teach them. And said, sure, that's what they did. Well, after he had done teaching, Jesus turned to Peter and said, hey, let's go fishing. And I can, I can see the attitude given here. Peter probably was like, right, you're a rabbi, I'm a fisherman, you stick to rabbiing, if such a thing as that, and I'll stick to fishing. But he said, all right. And so he went out and he, Jesus said, hey, cast your nest on the other side. And, and the line that you get from Scripture is that Peter says, okay, since you say so, Lord, I'm going to do it. And he throws in his net, and guess what happens? Bam. Catches this massive school of fish. The nets are about to break. They have to bring everyone in to pull it in. And, and, and Peter's just convicted. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? And, and he tells Jesus, hey, leave me because I've been snarky. I'm a sinful guy. Stay away from me, Lord. And Jesus says to him, hey, Peter, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. And thus begins a three-year journey, we're told, that's recorded for us in the stories of the Bible and the Gospels, a three-year journey where Peter and 12 other guys and others, but the 12 other guys become a special group to Jesus. They devote their lives to the ministry and the work of Jesus. They leave their life as they know it and the lifestyles that they've been living to follow Jesus. And it's a journey of ups and downs. It's a journey where Peter comes up with some amazing revelations and some amazing things happen in his ministry, and he sees Jesus do some amazing things. And Peter steps up and says some amazing things that really point to the identity of Jesus. And and then there are other times when he doesn't do so well, and he messes up, and he makes mistakes. Towards the end of the journey, Peter makes a very big and serious mistake. See, throughout the course of the ministry and time with Jesus, 
he had kept telling his apostles, hey, you know, the way of my ministry is the cross and the empty tomb. And this was confusing to them because their mind was the Messiah was going to come and establish a political empire. He was going to create a superpower that was empowered by the Spirit of God, led by the Messiah King who would rule the world in the name of God. And, of course, them being his close associates, they were thinking, we're going to make bank, right? Good times. Yeah, yeah. Superpower Jewish people. But Jesus said, no, that's not the way. The way that I'm going involves death on the cross and resurrection from the dead to bring out a way by which all who believe, no matter what their race, Jews and non-Jews, to be made right with God. That was the plan. And if you want to follow me, remember we talked about this, if you want to follow me, he said, you're going to have to follow that similar pattern. You will have to die to yourself so that the new life can be born in you. And it was confusing to the guys, and, and they weren't sure exactly what was happening, but on the Thursday night of the Jewish festival of Passover, a massive feast. Jesus was in Jerusalem, and he was in this upper room, and he was celebrating the Passover with his disciples, with his apostles, and he told them, guys, now's the time. Now's the time. What I've been telling you is going to happen. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be convicted. And I'm going to be executed on a cross. And I will rise again from the dead. Peter was incredulous. And he said, no way, Lord. No, 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 no. That is not going to happen. I will not let you out of my sight. I'm not going to let this happen to you. In fact, I've got my concealed carry. And he had a sword strapped to his hip, right? And Jesus said to Peter, 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 Peter. Peter, I'm praying for you, buddy. Because I'm telling you. Before... Friday comes before the sun rises, before the rooster crows three times, the signal of the new day, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny knowing me. You're going to abandon me. And that's how it happened, right? Judas, another of the apostles, betrays Jesus. He tells the authorities, I know the location where he's going to be at this time, at this place. And they arrest Jesus. When they arrest Jesus, Peter does this thing. He whips out his sword and swings away, hacks off the ear of one of the servants of the high priest. Jesus stops him, says, no, 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 this is not the way we do it. This is not the way it's going to happen. Miraculously heals this guy's ear. And in that moment, we're told the disciples, the apostles scatter. They run. They abandon Jesus like sheep whose shepherd has been struck down. I love the humorous parts of the Bible. You read the story and you find out that one of the young men who was hanging out with them, he runs away so fast, he's, he's so scared that he runs and he leaves his clothes behind. He's a streaker running around naked down Jerusalem because he has to get away. I don't know what that's all about, but that was crazy. So they cuff Jesus and they take him to court in the middle of the night. And they begin to pursue charges against him of blasphemy, which would result in capital punishment based on Jewish law. And Peter runs and then basically does an end around and begins to follow this group of people. And he, he goes into the courtyard adjacent to where the trial is happening so he can see what's going on and he stands around. It's still dark. It's early in the wee hours of the morning and he stands around warming himself by a coal fire uh, and he begins to chat with the people around him and they begin to talk and 
they start asking questions about who he is, and they start pointing a finger and saying, weren't you with Jesus? Weren't you with that guy? And the first time they asked, Peter said, no, 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 no. Second time they ask, he still, he denies them again. No, no, no. Third time, the Bible says he gets really upset. He curses. And he says, I do not know that guy. And then the Bible says at that moment, the rooster crowed three times. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus. And in fact, the Gospel of Luke says that Jesus actually turned and looked into Peter. And can you imagine the heart of Peter? Could you imagine his heart sink and everything crashing down and his bravado and his, 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 his testimony of love and all that he said he would do for Jesus all came into vivid memory and he realized, I have failed. And the Bible says that G Peter ran and he wept bitterly. I mean, he's not just crying, it's bitter crying. In this journey of faith, there'd be moments where my heart is sunk, and in my throat I've just felt sick because I failed. There are moments when I realize what I said or what I've done is a repeat of something I said I wouldn't say, I wouldn't do. There are moments in our walk of faith where we fail and we stumble. Betray, we betray those we love and we betray the Lord. We proclaim that is our God. You know, we, we make these testimonies of faith. We, we make this commitment to walk by the straight and narrow, and, and yet we find ourselves in the broad way making decisions that we said we wouldn't make and doing things that we said we wouldn't do. And though we want to do what's right, we end up always doing what's wrong. And in that moment, in that moment, in that moment of failure, our hearts sink and the grief comes crashing in and then we have a decision to make. What do we do? How do we handle that? I find it interesting that in the gospel accounts of these moments, you have two different apostles who are told that failed Jesus in a major way. And of course, we just, I just shared with you Peter, right? Peter failed Jesus in a major way. Well, the other guy is this guy Judas. Judas was one of the 12. Judas was one that received the messages of Jesus. Judas was one that saw the, the, the testimony and the miracles. Judas was the one that knew that Jesus would said, I'm going to die on the cross and be resurrected. Judas was a follower of Jesus, but Judas chose to betray Jesus. Why? I, I don't know. We know he was the treasurer. We know he was about money. John says he was light-fingered with their money, with the, the money of the group. He helped himself every now and then. He had a thing for money. He had a thing for wealth and prestige. And who knows why? The Bible just says that Satan entered him. And that entering was a temptation. And maybe that temptation was that, that he saw that 
his plan to stick with Jesus that would provide financial gain wasn't going to pan out the way he wanted because Jesus was talking about sacrifice and spiritual kingdom and, and not establishing the earthly kingdom that he thought would be established. And so maybe that's why he decided, okay, I'm done with this. I'm going to see what kind of thing I can get out of this. And so he goes to the authorities and say, what will you give me? What, what, is it, what will it take to pay me to let you know where Jesus is? And they give him a bag of 30 pieces of silver. But the reality is, is that once all these events transpire, there is a conviction, even with Judas. He becomes guilt-ridden, we're told, and he goes back and he says, what have I done? I've betrayed an innocent man. I've let down my Lord. And like Peter, there's a moment of guilt, there's a moment of angst, there's a moment of bitterness. And he tries to return the money. It's guilt money. It's dirty money to him. And he tries to return, and they won't take it. And so he leaves, and we're told that the decision he makes is that he makes a decision to end it all for him. He goes out, and he hangs himself in a field. He ends. He ends because of his grief, his commitment to following Jesus. You know, his mindset, Judas's mindset, I think, can be captured in, in this imagery. And it's an imagery that's common amongst us, so that we may not maybe take things to the extreme that Judas did. In many ways, a lot of us who follow Jesus kind of follow the same pattern. And the pattern is this. We think that following Jesus or being a Christ follower is like, like making a cake. You know, my life begins with a moment of... Of, of forgiveness, and I, and I get it. And then from then on, I have to put everything together in a perfect way in order to be, to be perfect to maintain what I've received. So it's like making a cake, right? And making a cake involves putting in ingredients, flour and, and eggs and milk and whatnot you put in a cake, and you have to follow a sequence of cooking instruction that, that if you mess up in any one step, if you don't put enough eggs in or enough flour in or cook it too long or too little, what happens? The cake's ruined, right? And if you really are pursuing a good cake, what do you do? You throw out that ruined cake and you start all over again because it's, it's gone, it's ruined, everything's messed up. One mistake equals total failure of everything that I've been trying to do. Well, that was Judas. Yes, it was a significant and serious mistake. It was a betrayal that was deep. But at his point of, 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 of repentance, it is a point of conviction. He saw it as all done, nothing more. Nothing I can do. In fact, his thinking is what I've described before as, as, as he was thinking in periods, right? I forsake Jesus, period. I am a traitor, period. Nothing more I can do, period. I'm done, period. No more following Jesus. The only way to get back right is to start all over again. And sometimes we get into this thinking. We mess up and we're like, oh, I've got to start over again. I've got to have that wow experience. I've got to recommitment. I've got to re-baptize. I've got to rededicate. I've got to read this and read that. And, and those things are okay, but if they come out of the thinking of, of the law that I always have to go back to 
to get what I had to the beginning, then it's mistaken. Because grace runs back, taking care of the sins of our past, but guess what it also does? It runs forward. It runs forward and it carries us into the next steps. And it's enough to cover the mistakes. Judas responded as if faith was like making a cake. Peter responded differently, didn't he? We're told that Peter didn't end his life, he didn't end his journey with God. Somehow, because of his love for Jesus, maybe, he returned to his group. And what do we find? We find three days later news that Jesus has risen from the dead. These women come running back to the apostles and they say, He's alive, the tomb's empty. And we ran into this guy who had a message. Wanted you to know, guys. And if you read carefully in the, in the message given to the women to take to the apostles, they say, tell the brothers and who? Peter. <laughs> Why did you do that? Because Jesus wanted to know, Peter, you're still my guy. And grace runs forward as well as, as it takes care of what's happened in the past. And Jesus appears to the apostles in person, resurrected from the dead, fulfillment of the promise, promising life. And he appears on a number of occasions. And I wonder about the feeling that Peter must have had with Jesus, right? I wonder if he was kind of sheepish. I wonder if he was nervous. I wonder if he like, I'm glad you're right. Yes, but how do we? And here we have what I think, uh, well, it's my discovery. Better than finding that place for sausages in Frisco. Jesus says, hey, guys, go to Galilee and wait for me there. So Peter and the boys, they go to Galilee at the lake, and Peter does what fishermen does. <laughs> lake, fishing, let's do it. Bible says they go out and they fish all night, and they catch nothing. You ever had a fishing trip like that? All night, you fish, you fish, you fish, and all you're doing is wetting your line, and it's cold and it's miserable, and don't even start saying, oh, I just went out to see the beauty of nature. No, you didn't. You went to catch fish. <laughs> and if it's me, I'm not happy because I want to catch fish. And so I no doubt they're miserable. They're sitting out there and morning's starting to come. And, and they're like, yeah, this was a waste of time. Good, good, good idea, Peter, right? We've caught nothing. And there's a guy standing out there on the edge of the shore. They're close enough to hear him, and he does what a lot of people do. I don't know if you've done it. I've done it. I, I call out to a fisherman, hey, how, how's the catch? And it's Jesus, but the guys in the boat don't know it. And he says, hey, how was your catch? And they say, what catch? Nothing. And Jesus says, well, how about throwing it out on this side, that side over there on the other side of the boat? And, of course, bing. Have you heard that before? And you imagine Peter, he's like, I've heard that before. Of course, they throw out the net on the side, and guess what? Bam! It's filled. And Jesus and Peter is probably like, I've seen this before. And the Bible says that Peter doesn't wait for everyone else. He jumps into the water and he swims to greet Jesus on the shore. Isn't it amazing that Jesus recreates the scene of Peter's first call to now affirm him in grace? And give him a second call. 
And all the guys come around, and they're thrilled to see Jesus and got this massive fish. And Jesus is like, breakfast time, boys. And so they make a fire. They make a fire. They make a fire, and they start cooking up the fish. And they're standing around the fire. It's cold, no doubt. And they're warming themselves by the fire after eating the fish. And they're around a fire. Remember that scene? Peter's right there. Jesus is right there across the fire. Wonder what he's thinking. Last time I was around a fire looking at Jesus. And then Jesus does something absolutely amazing. He asked Peter three questions. Three questions to match the three denials, right? Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Tend my lambs. Tend my lambs is a, a call to ministry and a picture of what, what Peter would be doing Second time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Shepherd my sheep. Third time, the Bible says that Peter gets upset because it's like the third time and he's embarrassed by this whole thing, but of course he's not getting it. But he, he's, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Tend my sheep. Seen that before? Isn't it amazing that we walk by grace even when we fall? Our gracious Lord restores us, calls us, and reminds us that His grace is sufficient if our hearts are humble and our dedication is true. Turn with me to that text. John chapter 21, verse 17. It's in your, in your outlines. I'm going to find it here. John chapter 17. Here we go. All right. Just like the first time Jesus called him, the call comes with a cost, right? And here's the cost. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus talking, and he's talking to Peter. When you were younger, you used to gird yourself, used to dress, and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you, someone else will dress you and bring you to where you do not wish to go. And then you're like, what is that all about? Well, thankfully, John gives us some commentary and explanation. He says, now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. Here's the cost, Peter. You follow me. You fulfill the call that I have asked you to fulfill to tend my sheep and feed my lambs and shepherd my flock. You be a leader in the church that I'm about to establish and your life journey will come to a place in which you will be taken to your execution. You know how you get dressed now as you're younger and you do go wherever you want? Well, one day you're going to get dressed and someone else is going to put clothes on you and they're going to take you to a place of execution where you don't want to go. But then he says, and when he had said, spoken this, he said to him, follow me. The way to follow Jesus never changes. And though Peter faced death, here was his Lord standing before him who had just what? Risen from the dead. Trust and obey. Walk with me. Follow me. There are a couple of things I, want, I just want to point out in terms of 
lessons learned, takeaways from this. The first one I think is very important for us, and it's understanding that we get the right thinking regarding this. This is it. Following Jesus is a journey made up of the single steps of faith. We have got to resist baking a cake thinking when it comes to our faith journey. And we have to embrace the truth that it's a journey. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, make followers, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I've commanded you. And he says this, and though, lo, I am with you to the ends of the age. And you're like, okay, how does that work? Well, it works because Jesus sent his spirit into the world. The Holy Spirit comes and now is available to every believer all over the world in an intimate way as if Jesus himself was personally available. You see, the body of Jesus, the man Jesus, could not be available to all people at the same time. But the Spirit comes now, allows us to have this reality in our life that God is with us. And the, the, the gift of grace means that I'm not alone and that I know God and He knows me and I can grow with Him and I can walk my journey of life with Him. And that's what faith is all about, step by step, through the ups and the downs, through the trials and the celebrations, through the difficulties and the successes through the failures and the victories. It's a journey that I daily commit myself. That's why the imagery of take up your cross and follow me is so powerful. It's a commitment we make to submit ourselves day to day, walk with Christ. That's how it works because grace runs forward as well as it runs back. And we live by grace. And the reality is, is that when we stumble, when I stumble on this journey, when I fail, when I mess up, when I do not fulfill the commitments I said I was going to fulfill, when I do not act like a child of God, when I act as if God does not exist in my life, when I do not do the things I want to do, as Paul says, but instead the things I do not want to do, we know that it's by grace we're saved and that when we stumble, all is not lost. We don't go back to zero, but instead, what do we do? We're convicted, we recommit, and we get back up, and we keep stepping forward. Because we live by grace. Now, some of you might say, well, what are you talking about, D? Does that mean minimizing my issues? No. Minimizing my sin is an offense to God? No. It's not that. We're not talking, as Paul says, you know, he says, hey, when I talk about grace, are you saying that I should sin more so that we can have more grace now? He says, no, that's not how it is because you died to sin and now you're born to a new way of living. No, they weren't talking about that. And to be honest with you, most Christians I run into don't struggle with that issue per se. What they struggle with is the other side of that. They struggle with beating themselves up because of past failures. They struggle with dealing, changing their mindset regarding their identity, embracing their failures, embracing their dark sides as this is I am and I'm a hopeless situation and I'm done. I'm finished. God, how can God love me when I've done X, Y, Z? How can I come back to church because I've done this and that and I failed him this way? How can I, how can I do what God has called me to do and be what God has called me to be because of whatever you want to fill in the blank? The reality is, is that we don't walk 
with Christ, we end that walk because we say, okay, I can't do it. It's over. And we put a period on that and we walk away or we try to go back to the beginning, searching for the next best experience so that we can feel like we are back in God's graces. And that's not how it works. Remember I said we've got to get out of full stop thinking like Judas. I'm a failure. I've betrayed. Therefore, there's no hope. Done. Period. Finished. And we've got to get into grace thinking, which means we live by commas. And that journey ebbs and flows. And there are times when we get into places we don't want to get into, maybe not intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, but it happens. So look at the life of Peter. He's restored to this mission. He becomes the voice piece, the the first preacher of the new church, becomes a leader in the church, comma. God comes to him and says, hey, by the way, you've been preaching to Jews. I want you to take the message now to the non-Jews, the Gentiles. So he goes in and he preaches the message to to the people, uh, uh, the family of Cornelius, this guy, comma. After that, he starts second-guessing this. For some reason, he starts hearing the chirping of complaints of the religious in the Christian community who are of Jewish heritage who say, no, no, that's not how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to be Jewish first before you become a Christian. And he kind of sides with these people. And, and, and that's offensive to Paul who calls him out, comma. So another mistake by Peter. But there's a comma to that. And we find in Peter's writing later on, he says, oh, by the way, our brother Paul says some hard things, but he's right on the money. And we need to follow him because grace, salvation is for all, regardless of what race they come from. Salvation is for all by faith, not by works, comma. And as a church leader, he's led to execution and he's put to death. Tradition says executed upside down on a cross because he didn't want to have any way dishonoring the Lord Jesus. And at his death, what do we say? That's not the end, is it? It's a comma. Because those of us who follow Jesus follow a a risen Lord. And even though death may be the end of this part of our story, it ends with a comma because what? We've got resurrection coming, comma. Eternity coming, comma, 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 comma. Too many times we are hardest on ourselves in our walk of faith. And we're the biggest ones to whip ourselves because we failed. Stop doing it. God has forgiven you. By grace, you are saved. When you fail, learn the lesson, receive the discipline, embrace the reality of it, repent as the Bible says, confess, get back up. Get back up. Not all is lost. Not the whole thing's not blown up. You're still a child of God and you're still walking by the power of the Spirit. Move forward. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Peter and his example, and we thank you for this final example of an encouragement for us to move forward. Too many times we, we get obsessed with the past, and we put our identity to the failures that we've had, and really that's the work of the enemy. He's called the accuser for a reason, right? So help us, Lord, to not listen to that voice, but instead to listen to the voice of our Lord and Savior who saves us and walks with us by His Spirit, moving us forward as we're transformed by the Spirit within us, renewed in our thinking and 
Lord, help us to relax in grace. A good friend of mine used to say, just, let's just relax in grace. Relax in grace and in our new identity in Christ, embracing that truth. Lord, I just pray that this reality may be something in which those that are here, those who are downcast, those who are struggling, those who are dealing with failings, those who are just guilt-ridden, those who are similar to Peter, just distraught and bitterly weeping at the failures that they have in their life. I pray that this, this will be a breath of life and the example of Peter will be an inspiration for them to accept the truth that they are a child of God saved by grace. Grace runs forward as well as it does run back. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We stand and sing with our, our crew here. This song has been playing in my mind all week. Just can't get enough of it, so we're going to do it one more time. Sing along. If you have a prayer need, want to pray in person with one of our guys up front, please do that. If you have a decision to make, become a, a Jesus follower, please do that. I want to let you know um, we have a baptism, two baptisms right after the song's ended. So hang out for that, please. It's, it's, a, it's a great time. I know some might have to go, and I get it. That's okay. But I encourage you, once we're done, once we've concluded our time, we'll have a couple of baptisms, really, to, to witness the truth of, of the message that we, uh, we reclaim, that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Let's see. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.